honestly, this show, I really don't have much to say. So I'm not. I'll say two things. Number one, anyone who takes a position of don't blame me is really saying, don't expect me to help fix this. Don't expect me to help fix this problem of guns in this country. When their anger is directed more at people asking the questions, why can't we do more than at the actual situation itself is very telling. Number two, no disrespect to anyone else, to any politicians, to any celebrities, to anyone on social media, but the anger, the outrage, the pain, the sadness, it doesn't even come close. It's not an iota of what the victims' families are feeling. So rather than me come on here and yell and scream and carry on and tell you how upsetting this is and ask why does this have to keep happening and express my pain and my sadness, I may as well just let the victims' families do it. Because the focus shouldn't be on me or what provocative thing I could say or what moving thing I could say. I can't say anything, but they can because their pain, their heartache, their anger will never go away. Never. For the rest of their lives. The country will move on, as the country always does. But their anguish will never go away. It's been six days since the horrific racist shooting at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. And the first funeral for one of the victims, 67-year-old Hayward Patterson, was held today. Patterson was a driver who was shot while helping a client load groceries. In a gut-wrenching moment, Patterson's ex-wife, Tirza, Tirza, spoke as her 12-year-old son cried silently. His heart is broken. He has sleep. He has eats. And as a mother, what am I supposed to do to help him get through this? I need a village to help me raise and be here for my son because he has no father. I cannot believe somebody would give some child a gun and let him think that it's okay and come in somebody's hometown and just shoot it up. It just shoot people down like dogs. That doesn't make any sense to me. I constantly think about what could have been done. And it seems like this is, it's like Groundhog Day. Like we've seen this over and over and over again. That racist young man took my mother away. How dare you! And we do nothing. The four schools I mentioned kind of roll off our tongues, but then we also know the synagogue in Pittsburgh. We know San Diego. We know El Paso. We know the shootings in Buffalo, at the Orlando Pulse nightclub. We are a nation that is unique in the Western world where somehow we've adopted this theory that more guns make us safer. But if more guns made us safer, we'd be the safest nation in the world, and we're not. Steven Garcia and Jennifer Lugo remembering their little girl, Ellie, as they try to process her senseless death. What would you want people to know about your Ellie? Sweetest, sweetest girl you've ever had, ever had a chance to meet. And I had the honor of calling her my daughter. Next week, June 4th, would have been Ellie's 10th birthday. She was looking forward to having a pool party to celebrate. I told her we're going to have a party that her face just lit up and, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 
that was uh, the last time I saw her. The, the younger ones, they still don't understand their sister's not coming home. For every child lost, 19 of them, there are stories like this and parents who will never be the same. 10-year-old Amory Jo Garza was another fourth grader at Robb Elementary. She was a real good student. She was a very good daughter, friend, uh, very playful, very silly. Now, all he can do is treasure photos and memories, like this fishing trip that you took. She's your only daughter. Only daughter. Only child. Only child. It's hard to even wrap your mind around something like that. This is the last photo he has of his baby girl, posing proudly with her honor roll certificate just hours before the shooting. I just I just want to honor her name. I just I just want her to be remembered as as the type of person that she was. Garza says he is determined to stay strong for her. I don't want to I don't want to disappoint my daughter. I want to live, you know, live and, and make her happy and 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 keep her keep her uh Keep her memory alive, you know. Ellie Garcia's mother, Jennifer, is still reeling, too devastated to even speak, clutching her last Mother's Day gift from her little girl, a jar Ellie made for her mother's prayers. Her parents say Ellie had a strong faith and was excited about reading a verse at church this coming Sunday. Jesus, he died for us. So when we die, we'll be up there for him. She's never going to be forgotten. She's a big part of our family. Always has been, always will be. She left there to get groceries on the way home. And she encountered this evil, hateful. She didn't deserve that. She didn't deserve that. Nobody deserves that. He took away my mother and my best friend. How dare you? How dare you? This needs to be fixed. A-S-A-P. We loved our mother. She was an 86-year-old powerhouse. Mm. She was beautiful. She was immaculate. And she loved us. Mm. We were take all of us at 18. With so much hate in heart. So much hate is there. Like, uh, how do you hate people that much to do that? Garnell and his family said they want to channel their anger into change. What are you willing to do so that the next time it's not you standing here before your broken-hearted family? What are we doing? What are we doing? Just days after a shooter walked into a grocery store to gun down African-American patrons, we have another Sandy Hook on our hands. What are we doing? There have been more mass shootings than days in the year. Our kids are living in fear every single time they set foot in a classroom because they think they're going to be next. What are we doing? Why do you spend all this time running for the United States Senate? Why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job, of putting yourself in a position of authority? If your answer is that as this slaughter increases, as our kids run for their lives, we do nothing. What are we doing? Why are you here? 
This isn't inevitable. These kids weren't unlucky. This only happens in this country. Nowhere else does that happen except here in the United States of America, and it is a choice. It is our choice to let it continue. What are we doing? Lined on the walls in that social hall are New Testament phrases. Phrases about how we should treat our neighbors, how should we treat each other, how we should love. And I will tell you that evil was in that church yesterday. But I will tell you that that church, the congregants, and obviously the decedent, Dr. Chang, and the others who were shot, and all the other congregants, engage in the most heroic activity one could ever imagine. But one of the youngest congregants there yesterday, Dr. Chang, understanding that there was elderly everywhere and they couldn't get out of the premises because the doors had been chained. After others had been shot, he took it upon himself to charge across the room and to do everything he could to disable the assailant. He was shot. And then there was an attempt to shoot him again, but the gun jammed. And he succumbed to his injuries. He sacrificed himself so that others could live. That irony in a church is not lost on me. They remind us that heroism does not require special training or physical strength. Heroism is here in the hearts of so many of our fellow citizens, all around us, just waiting to be summoned, as it was on Saturday morning. Their actions, their selflessness, poses a challenge to each of us. It raises a question of what, beyond prayers and expressions of concern, is required of us going forward? How can we honor the fallen? How can we be true to their memory? You see, when a tragedy like this strikes, it is part of our nature to demand explanations, to try to impose some order on the chaos and make sense out of that which seems senseless. Already, we've seen a national conversation commence, not only about the motivations behind these killings, but about everything from the merits of gun safety laws to the adequacy of our mental health system. But at a time 
when our discourse has become so sharply polarized, at a time when we are far too eager to lay the blame for all that ails the world at the feet of those who happen to think differently than we do. It's important for us to pause for a moment and make sure that we're talking with each other in a way that, that heals, not in a way that wounds. Scripture tells us that there is evil in the world and that terrible things happen for reasons that defy human understanding. In the words of Job, when I looked for light, then came darkness. Bad things happen. And we have to guard against simple explanations in the aftermath. But the truth is, none of us can know exactly what triggered this vicious attack. None of us can know with any certainty what might have stopped these shots from being fired, or what thoughts lurked in the inner recesses of a violent man's mind. Yes, we have to examine all the facts behind this tragedy. We cannot and will not be passive in the face of such violence. We should be willing to challenge old assumptions in order to lessen the prospects of such violence in the future. But what we cannot do is use this tragedy as one more occasion to turn on each other. That we cannot do. That we cannot do. Let's use this occasion to expand our moral imaginations, to listen to each other more carefully, to sharpen our instincts for empathy, and remind ourselves of all the ways that our hopes and dreams are bound together. In Christina, we see all of our children. So curious, so trusting, so energetic, so full of magic, so deserving of our love, and so deserving of our good example. If this tragedy prompts reflection and debate, as it should, let's make sure it's worthy of those we have lost. Let's make sure it's not on the usual plane of politics and point scoring and pettiness.
that drifts away in the next news cycle. The loss of these wonderful people should make every one of us strive to be better. To be better in our private lives, to be better friends and neighbors and co-workers and parents. And if, as has been discussed in recent days, their death helps usher in more civility in our public discourse, let us remember it is not because a simple lack of civility caused this tragedy. It did not. But rather because only a more civil and honest public discourse can help us face up to the challenges of our nation in a way that would make them proud. We should be civil because we want to live up to the example of public servants like John Rowe and Gabby Giffords, who knew first and foremost that we are all Americans and that we can question each other's ideas without questioning each other's love of country, and that our task, working together, is to constantly widen the circle of our concern so that we bequeath the American dream to future generations. They believed, they believed, and I believe, that we can be better. Those who died here, those who saved lives here, they helped me believe. We may not be able to stop all evil in the world, but I know that how we treat one another, that's entirely up to us. And I believe that for all our imperfections, we are full of decency and goodness, and that the forces that divide us are not as strong as those that unite us. That's what I believe, in part because that's what a child like Christina Taylor Green believed. She had been elected to her student council. She saw public service as something exciting and hopeful. She was off to meet her congresswoman, someone she was sure was good and important and might be a role model. She saw all this through the eyes of a child, undimmed by the cynicism or vitriol that we adults all too often just take for granted. I want to live up to her expectations. I want our democracy to be as good as Christina imagined it. I want America to be as good as she imagined it.
all of us. We should do everything we can do to make sure this country lives up to our children's expectations. As has already been mentioned, Christina was given to us on September 11, 2001. One of 50 babies born that day to be pictured in a book called Faces of Hope. On either side of her photo in that book were simple wishes for a child's life. I hope you help those in need, read one. I hope you know all the words to the national anthem and sing it with your hand over your heart. I hope, I hope you jump in rain puddles. If there are rain puddles in heaven, Christina is jumping in them today. And here on this earth, here on this earth, we place our hands over our hearts and we commit ourselves as Americans to forging a country that is forever worthy of her gentle, happy spirit. May God bless and keep those we've lost in restful and eternal peace. May he love and watch over the survivors and may he bless the United States of America.